Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... That word podcast hardcore coming your way. Hardcore podcast, the Smee and the Mobster joining me from across the pond in the Iron Den of UK. How's it going, buddy? Good. Merry Christmas to the listeners. Yes. Happy holidays to all, whatever you celebrate. We're going to do a fun one today. We're going to do Aaron Singerman. This is episode 172. And this one, uh, Aaron Singerman, uh, you probably may have not heard of this guy but he's been in the news recently and this continues our bad boy series <laughs> so he's definitely a bad boy and he's been a bad boy and he's probably going to go to prison for a long time so who is he founder of redcon one supplements a gym owner also involved in another company called uh, with pj bond who i uh, interviewed on a podcast Prior, and we've also done an episode about uh, with him, yep. uh, Blackstone Labs, and he also overall a businessman. Recent months, he's done. Uh, he's had a couple run-ins with the law, local and federal. Yep. He's also had a history of drug and alcohol abuse, so he's definitely a bad boy in the industry. I think a lot of guys are uh, have an appeal to him because he is a bad boy and he was and that's part of the reason he's been able to build his businesses so we're going to take a look in this podcast his ups his downs and his steroid cycle because he is a pretty pretty big guy which is going to help him in uh, in prison um so let's talk a little bit about early life and heroin um and then i'm going to bring in mobster uh to talk about his you know drug abuse issue so he was born in 1980 new orleans louisiana First job he worked in his father's clothing store. He learned about business. He learned about taking care of customers. He learned about customer support. Now, he was a poor student. He did not do good in school. He talks about being expelled many times for disrupting in class. So he had some type of learning disability or something going on there. So he did not. I'm not sure if he ended up graduating high school. I don't think he did. Um, so another thing, he got involved with drugs as well, and that could have affected his performance in school as well. So he says that during his 20s, he was dealing with a lot of addiction issues. His drug of choice was heroin. And he says that he was able to conquer his addiction to heroin in his late 20s. So a little bit about heroin before I bring mobster in here. Because I'm not sure in the UK if you guys have an issue with heroin, but in the United States, <laughs> you, you do, you do. So in the United States, heroin seems to be a big issue. It is an opiate drug. It's made from morphine derived from the poppy plant. And users will inject, sniff, snort, or smoke it to get heroin. Now, I've never used heroin, so I'm not an expert on it. But I have had friends that have uh, messed around with it, and it's pretty... It's pretty addictive. So let me just give you guys a little bit of stats before I, I bring in Mobster here. I know Mobster wants to chime in. Uh, but let me just tell you really quick, in across the United States, I don't know how much it is in the, in the UK, but across the United States, 
There's three, 1,300 people, over 1,300 people that die per week from overdosing on heroin. Um, I've, I've had friends and, and exes and stuff that have worked in hospitals, and they usually get a lot of people coming in during the night who have overdosed on it. So they've had to deal with that. So it really, this epidemic not only hurts the person, but it helps all of us. Because if you get a heart attack or something, you really have to go to the ER. Just know that once you get there in the ambulance, there's going to be people in there who have overdosed that are basically taking up hospital beds and taking up the other nurses and doctors time. So it affects all of us. Don't think that it just affects those people. So don't, you know, don't have that mentality. Now, um, I'm going to bring in mom, sir, but listen, the cost of, of heroin is about $200 per day, which is $6,000 per month to keep the heroin habit going in the United States. I'm not sure if it's, if it's that expensive in, in the UK. I would imagine it'd be more expensive because you guys are an island. So I'm going to bring in mom, sir. Yeah. Tell us about, um, tell us about this mom, sir. Yeah. Okay. So two quick stories here. One is it's been a family issue. Uh, my brother, Michael who's no longer with us, who passed away when he was 41 years of age, probably as a result of the wear and tear on his body from his use, although he had uh, fought the addiction, um, been to prison twice, I believe, for a burglary to, to feed the habit, and at one point was sleeping in a burnt-out car uh, and talked about getting £500 a week, so about $600, $600 dollars a week at that time, uh, using heroin at the time. Um, say that was a wear and tear on his body. And I think the only reason that he stayed alive and was able to fight the addiction at all was the fact that he'd managed to have a couple of kids at that time. So yeah, you've got that. So there's a family issue, there's an impact there or whatever else. The other thing is when I was working with the police in my role as a traffic warden many, many years ago, for the British listeners, they'll be, they'll be shouting and waving their fists at the, uh, at the, the, the speaker, those yellow perils as they were called, weren't very popular. We had, um, I was coming to work on a Saturday morning to Charing Cross Police Station and walking up the side street, the neighbour which is escaping right now, from the railway station to the police station. And at the top of the stairs, going into one of the underground concourses, was a male and a female laying there with the needles sticking out of their arms and a small amount of blood dripping onto the footpath, the top of the stairs, where they were both unconscious. And, straight away you walk into the police station you go upstairs and you call down to the control room you say listen da, 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 da. it had already been reported people was already sorting it out this is right in central london this is 150 yards away from trafalgar square it's 50 yards away from the stranded railway station it's a very busy area even early on a saturday morning as it was and you're seeing that stuff right in the middle of what used to be one of the biggest cities in the world, the capital city of Great Britain, and here we are. So it's 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 everywhere. It affects all kinds of people. You can have some incredibly wealthy families where members of those families have got addicted to drugs and even heroin. It's a filthy, nasty, disgusting drug. There are, I've seen uh, documentaries on the TV where they went to a prostitute's flat where she was taking back clients near King's Cross, which is a railway station in central London. And the photograph, the image that sticks in your mind is that she had a mattress on the floor and like the outline of the bodies on the bed where they were laying and, and, and having sex and whatever else, the rest of it, the floor and the rest of the mattress that wasn't where these people were laying 
was covered with uh, needles, used needles. So you've got that. Yeah, it's just as disgusting, nasty, horrible drug. Uh, 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 yeah, back to you, Steve. One, one of my uh, fishing buddies has used it before, and I was having a conversation with him. And what happened with him when he was back in high school, he was at a party, and someone gave him some heroin to take. Right. And, you know, and he foolishly took it. Yeah. And that's what got his addiction to it going. So what I try to it's tell what I try to tell my younger relatives and, and younger guys listening, you know, if some of you are teenagers or in your 20s listening to this, don't fall prey to peer pressure. That's what gets you. Don't feel prey of, oh, I'm at this party. Everyone's doing drugs, so I have to do drugs. No, you can walk out of there. And you be a bigger man for doing that. Don't do it because heroin is so fucking addicting that this is why what Mobster was saying, his brother, rest in peace. You know, I'm sorry that happened to your brother, buddy. Um, yeah. But his brother was burglarizing people to feed the addiction. Yeah, and his brother was a good guy. I'm sure he's a good guy like Mobster. He doesn't mean to hurt anybody. But when you're in yeah, that I state, I, I have no I, choice. When I heard about it, I just didn't want to ask them the questions. You don't want to know what they're doing to feed this habit. You really don't. One more thing, guys, because we're not going to go on about this too much. We want to get into the, the actual person that we're talking about in the podcast. You're more likely with dirty needles, and specifically heroin needles. Heroin uses, not everybody, if you're rich and you've got loads of cash, you can sit at home with Good, good quality supply, great needles, et cetera, et cetera. You've still got the issue with heroin, which is a bastard to get off. It's a horrible, nasty drug itself. The high is not that great, et cetera, et cetera. But it's massively addictive. The issue, such as it is, well, so I say a, a great issue, one of the big issues, is heroin users are notorious for sharing needles for the drug being cut with God knows what. If in filthy holiday, if you, you can... Without getting into specifics, you can Google and YouTube Tracing the Dragon, and you can see what they need to do to purify it, and you'll see the filth that these people, when you watch the video, the filth they're surrounded by. So the hygiene is disgusting. The risk is huge, and especially for risk of infection from hepatitis, multiple forms of hepatitis, and, of course, HIV. So... Guys, it, we, we talk about risky behavior and we're talking about bad guys. And we're going to talk specifically about Aaron Singerman, of course. But the, the drug itself is filthy, nasty, disgusting. And the issues, the risk of infection. And again, Steve will talk about this as well. Collapsed veins. The guys are having to inject between their toes or inject behind their knee because they've collapsed veins on their hands or their wrists or their in the normal place in, in, in the crook of the elbow, or whatever, all the obvious places, when you talk about guys that are having to inject underneath the eye or into the jaw, it's just fucked up. So yeah. one of the things I want to get into in a minute is risky behavior, being a bad boy, being edgy, which we'll talk about with Aaron in a second. But yeah, it's just a filthy, nasty, horrible, disgusting drug. What do you think? Yeah, and $6,000 a month. In the United States, I yeah. don't know how much it is in, in your money uh, over there, mobster. But six thousand dollars—that's an insane amount of money. That 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 is yeah. a that is a freaking nice ass house yeah. and car. Six thousand dollars a yeah. month in the United States—big, big, nice house, big, big, nice, really nice cars, plural. 
So you're wasting all that money. It's just, just a shame. It's a really is a shame guys, just because you want to fit in um, in a group and do something. So stay away from the drugs guys. It's not cool to take drugs. It's not healthy. So please, if you're listening to this, do not even touch it. Um, so Aaron, you know, he unfortunately got involved with that, but he was able to clean up his life. He says, and part of the way he was involved, uh, able to clean it. So if you're, if you're an addict and you want to clean up your life, one of the best ways to do it is training. So this is yeah. what he did. He got involved in the gym. He became a personal trainer and he wanted to live the dream of fancy cars, boats, and big houses. So to achieve that, he knew being stuck in the gym, making minimum wage isn't going to get him there. So he used the internet. He read, he asked questions, he watched a lot of videos, he, did, he listened to a lot of podcasts, you know, like what we're doing. He wanted to learn about bodybuilding supplements. So from there, he started his own podcast and his own social media to, to grow his brand. So he started to go to competitions, expos, he started networking. Um, he, let, he met his wife, who's also into bodybuilding. He partnered with more experienced businessmen who knew how to launch supplement companies. And he started his company, Redcon One, and it was inspired by his grandfathers who were veterans and fought in wars. So that is what he was trying to strive for. He also put his money in the, into a, a couple gyms. I think there was one in Tennessee and one in Florida. And then up, other supplement brands, including Blackstone Labs, which PJ Braun is involved with, um, which we'll get into in a second. And he started to have a lot of success growing them. So his background, he's married with three kids and he lives in Boca Raton, Florida. And he has a $6 million home and he has another home, which is also worth a couple million dollars. So now here we're going to talk, talk a little bit about his arrest. Um, so November 19, 2021, it was announced two of the main executives of Blackstone Labs, which is PJ Braun and Aaron Sigerman. They pleaded guilty to conspiring to sell illegal anabolic steroids and other unlawful products marketed as dietary supplements. So he is being charged and they have pled guilty to conspiracy to distribute controlled substances, sell unapproved new drugs, conspiracy to defraud the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and mail and wire fraud. So they both admitted to what they did. They, they did a plea deal to um, a and they admitted that they had a, there was a conspiracy to sell products via Blackstone that were labeled as dietary supplements, but were supplements uh, that were substances and drugs that were not approved by the FDA. So in other words, guys, and I'll bring in Mobster to kind of explain to this a little bit more. Yes. We're talking about pre-show. They were selling their supplements over the counter legally where you could go online, buy with a credit card that were laced with anabolic steroids and other hard drugs. So I'm going to assume, you know, that they were basically using the cheapest pro hormones they could get their hands on, or even anabolic steroids, or even designer steroids, and basically selling something. Let's say they put something um, for sale that was a testosterone booster, for example, and you go and buy it, and then you're like, wow this testosterone booster is amazing. I'm having aggression. I'm getting strength in the gym and all this stuff, but it yep. wasn't really a testosterone, a natural testosterone booster. It wasn't really tribulus or fedosia or something legitimate. It was actually steroids that yep. these kids were taking. So, you know, and it, that's what it was going on. So people are like, wow, this stuff is amazing. So of course they're going to buy more of it, but they're not aware of what they're taking. So 
that's really fucked up to sell something that is not what you say it is and, and, and trick people like this. And it's very, very dangerous. We'll get that in a little bit. Mobster touched on this a little bit. All right. So there's a few issues here, guys. And it's basically sort of history 101 of bodybuilding, probably going back about 20, 25 years, something like that. I've been around this the, the sport a long time. So I'm aware of some of the issues, some of the claims that have been made, some of the shenanigans, shall we, and that's being polite, that companies have got into over the years, right? Now, 101, for example, would be that there have been steroid-producing members that we probably know from the history of bodybuilding that have gone from underground labs to legitimate pharmaceutical, legitimate supplement companies. And that's happened. Uh, they've used the money that they've made selling stories to, to create a legitimate steroid company, uh, sorry, supplement company. What's also happened, and this is specifically, if you feel like what you want to call uh, spiking, uh, and a good example of this was the rumoured, and I must emphasise rumoured, uh, story behind Hot Stuff. Hot Stuff was a all-in-one, which we don't really see anymore, protein, vitamins, everything, all-in-one back in the day. And the rumour was that the first batch that came out was spiked in some way. And again, we're talking about specific rumours here. The idea was supposed to be that they'd taken Dynabol, ground that shit up, maybe brought some roars, whatever, and sprinkled this vigor into a huge batch, created a huge batch, and sold, let's say for argument's sake, 10,000 tubs. Now, this is right at the beginning of social media. It's right at the beginning of when forums started to take off. So again, 20 or so years ago, the 90s. And what happened was, is they would send this product out and then you supplement buyer buys this and you go, oh my fucking God, this stuff is amazing. I feel great. So it can't, you say, is that the vitamins? Is it the protein? Is it that wonderful carbohydrate? No, your bench press is going up, your squats going up, you put a quarter of an inch on your arm, you put a half an inch on your chest. It's the fucking steroid that had been added to the product. Now, Hot Stuff, again, rumoured, were not the only company that this is supposed to have happened to. You've also got companies that will, as Steve Sweet just said, uh, a product that looks like it's going to be banned or a product that's got, say, for example, a more of a stimulant ingredient in there than perhaps it should, that the, the federal government in the US is already looking at banning and a good example of this would have been in certain pre-workouts, DMAA, where uh, companies would deliberately add a stimulant to their product. You take this pre-workout. I was shaking like a shitting dog, but the workout was absolutely fucking amazing. And they know that this ingredient's going to be banned. Sometimes the ingredient's already been banned, but they're taking a chance that the FDA, for example, hasn't got enough people on the ground to go around to every supplement company or every supplement store and buy this product, sample it and test it. So the problem is if you are, for example, someone with a heart murmur and you take a what you think is a legitimate product that's not going to fuck you up, but there's an ingredient in there that does fuck you up, then you are potentially risking as a supplement company owner that's doing this, this, this person, this fat bastard, whatever, this overweight unhealthy individual who's trying to get healthy, who's trying to lose weight, using your product with a banned ingredient that might give them a heart issue, that might cause them to end up in ER, that might potentially kill them. 
this has happened in the industry where something's gone out. We've even had contaminated batches. I'm thinking of um, tryptophan, uh, uh, an amino acid, where it was literally down to a vat in Japan, I believe, not being cleaned properly. And that batch went out across the world because it was made in the tens of hundreds of kilos and it was sold in very, very small amounts. And a contaminated, one single contaminated batch, I believe, led to several deaths across the, across the world in the US, in Europe, and here in the UK, and of course, uh, in the East where it was being produced. So that's one. The other issue which I touched on in the pre-show, in, in my pre-show notes specifically, is what I call risky and or negative behavior. We're gonna get into some more habits, not just the heroin, but stuff that's happened since the court case, before the uh, actual sentencing is going to be carried out, how, as, how much time would these guys do in jail? There's been something in between, which I'll let Steve be touch on in a minute. But there's also this idea sometimes, both for marketing purposes and for the behavior of the people that are running the supplement company. PJ, who's a great guy, and in fact, Aaron has done a lot of great, great things, including the support in the military, for example, setting up this Redcon One gym, sponsoring athletes, and some fantastic stuff grown a legitimate company to a huge, huge size, huge numbers worldwide. Absolutely amazing. But at the same time, one can argue that there's what was called risky behavior and being edgy as a market employee. Being edgy would be, you're a bad boy if you use my product. Look at me in my supplement company ad with some girl with hardly any clothes on draped across my muscular body while I'm standing next to my fantastic looking car with wedges of cash sticking out of my pocket. And that's the result of my, me being a hard body, kick-ass, badass, and using this product vis-a-vis -vis a legitimate product that works properly, not being sexy, not being hardcore, not being edgy. And also, like I said, the risky behavior. If we look at Aaron Singerman, we go, so was it risky behavior or um, an issue of education that made him act out at school? Was it risky behavior or, or on addictive type personality that made him do the stupid stuff he's done in the past? Was it risky behavior, for example, arguably hooking up with PJ and creating a company which sells great products, but at the same time was pushing the envelope as far as the law was considered in regards to what they were putting into their products, that they wanted the, the, the buyers to be kind of edgy slash addictive uh, bad boy type customers that I use this product because it's a bad boy product and look at me growing look at me getting muscular I know it's a bit moody but I'm going to take it anyway it's almost a defense in court so you've got that kind of stuff I mean I Steve and I have been around this game a long time and I'll tell you now for years because I've run my own supplement company I can say for example that most of the time when I've used supplements over the years I go with what works. So I will say like a pure protein with no flavoring, no sweetener, no additives, and I'll neck that shit because I'm going with something that doesn't need all the bells and whistles attached to it. If I take creatine, whether it's from need to build muscle or whether it's from somewhere else, it's pretty much just fucking creatine. I don't need other stuff added to it to boost its effectiveness or whatever else. And I know that if I do that, I'm pretty much getting what it says on the fucking label. I'm not expecting four inches on my arm or 10 inches on my chest or to be vein popping or to have a workout like I'm high. I'm just doing my shit. And I know that if I go to the gym and I put in the effort and I apply myself, 
this stuff will work. Steve and I talk about growing slowly but surely over the years. You don't have to do crazy cycles. You don't have to buy edgy, hardcore uh, products that, you know, pretend, for example, with the name of the product. There are a huge bunch of companies, even now, that we both are aware of in the industry that have products with names exactly like, but with maybe one or two letters changed, exactly like the name of a steroid when they're not. Or if they've got it, it's at such a low level that the federal government doesn't care. So they can claim it has something like that in there and they will sell it to you for the same price that you can buy legitimate underground lab steroids, but with next to no steroid-like effects. That to me is a kind of ripoff right there, Steve. I can find out one company that's quite large in the industry right now and companies that used to advertise, for example, in the back of Muscle Mag International, legal testosterone, legal steroids. There's no such fucking thing. There is no over-the-counter D-bowl that you can buy in a chemist or pharmacy in the US that contains anything like the same amount that you and I could buy from some, one of our sponsors right now. Absolutely not. And yet there are companies out there with, they've changed the lettering. They, they, they call it D-bowl, which would be the slang name, but that's the name they're using on their product. And there's a bunch of companies that do that. Some of them have said they've, they've got some great products, they do some great things. And PJ's, Aaron, he's done some amazing stuff. But equally, there's this idea sometimes that they need to be edgy to get into the market. They need to have these kind of behaviours. They need perhaps almost to, as I said, with the addictive personality or, or the idea that they're being edgy or, or, or addictive to risky habits. It's one of the comments I made in my notes. So there's all those kind of things going on. We're going to get into now... I think I'll let Steve address this, the more recent shenanigans that uh, Aaron's managed to get himself into, which suggests to me, as I've already just said, these kind of behaviours, these kind of habits. Now, guys, we all like the idea of being lean, hard-bodied, kick-ass, muscular people. That's it, whether you're male or female. That's what we want our listeners to aspire to. That's what we hope you're about. But some of these things you need to be aware of. There's risk out there. There's crazy stuff. If you get into a fight in a nightclub, the bouncer's going to throw you out. You might get your ass arrested. Now, it looks great in the movie. In the movie, the hero never gets arrested. In real life, he's getting arrested. This stuff, whether it's sold you in a certain particular way, sexing, sexing it up, it's great for an advert. But look, these guys are going to do proper jail time. It's bitten them on the arse. We don't know yet if they're going to have money taken off of them. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff you guys need to be thinking about and being aware. And it's kind of what we would say, you go into these things with one eye open. So find out, talk to, come onto the forums, ask us, is this possible? Is this a, is, are there steroids in here? Is there something in this product that I don't, don't trust? If we can, if we've got the time, we'll check it out for you. Do your own research, go online. And ignore the sexing up. If a, pro if a product has to have a naked woman draped over it on top of a Ferrari and it's only creatine, then you've got to say to yourself, why did they need to sex it up? Why, did, why does it need to look edgy? Why does, what, what's it about the company that makes it seem that way, that they feel that this is the only way they're going to get the product sold? So there's lots of those kind and, of things going on. And I feel like in this case, he kind of used the military to, to sex yeah. things on the, the American flag and or all even, stuff. Or even to legitimize, maybe to legitimize. Because but the thing is, what I don't I'm understand, so I'm a good guy. and this is this is my opinion, I don't see you as supporting the military when you're selling people who are in the military 
supplements that are not what you claim they are. That's basically that's, slapping them in the face. Yeah, you know, and that's my opinion. You guys could have a different perspective on it. It's up to you. But I look at it as him shitting on the military, not not actually helping the military. And and then he gives a lot to charities and stuff. If you give to charity, you know, we're we're still, you know, we're doing this podcast on the holidays. You don't tell people and you don't market, hey, yeah, you we give to charity. No. You give it anonymously. That's the way to give. You don't brag, hey, yeah, I gave all this money to charity because it's not even your, his money that he's giving. It's the company. It's your money. It's, your money. it's the customer's money. Where did he get yeah. the money from? It came from, a, it came from selling a exactly. moody product to, to naive customers. And your reason you can afford to do this is because you've got rich off the back of your yeah. bad behavior but the stuff that's yeah. going to get you to go to jail, where did that money come from? He didn't find the money in the fucking street. He, he didn't take the money from his kid's college fund. Yeah. He didn't take the yeah. money from his kid's private yeah. school or from his yacht that's, or from his right million dollar house. He took it out yeah. of your pocket and then he's given the percentage of that back and he's like, oh, I'm giving to the military. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's not the way to treat veteran so it's it, that pisses me if someone off right goes there. to war and they might lose a limb or an eye then they might come back with some sort of post-traumatic stress and he gives them free products or he sends you know money for this organization or that organization but at the same time he's done that arguably even if he's that's not what he's thinking when he's made the donation you can still say aaron you might be a good guy when you've written out a check, a company check or a personal check to give to the military. You might be a good guy when you support these organizations. You might be a good guy when you saw, sent out a pallet of goodies, of, of hoodies, of shakers, of protein or whatever. But where did the money come from? It came from the illegitimate product. It came from the moody ingredients. It came from the stuff that's got you fucking arrested and it's getting you to go to jail. So arguably, on one hand, seems like a great thing and is. On the other hand, the only reason you're able to do that is because of the stupid stuff that you've done, the stuff that's going to get you to go to jail, the stuff. And again, I mean, after, he's got he's got kids. So you go, right, what lesson are you giving to your children? What lesson are you, are you giving to those naive younger customers that supported you? What lesson are you giving to the people that thought he's, doing, he's a great guy supporting the military? I'm going to buy his product. So this is how it's going to look. I mean, you can't argue against this stuff. He's just going to say, listen, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? It could be both, of course. But let's get into the other behavior, the more recent behavior, Steve, before we talk about the steroid yeah. side. But you bring up a good point. I really have to address this because you bring up a good point about the FDA. So in this situation, hmm. um, I'm going to make the assumption because Aaron Singerman here, there is a report that he did rat other people out. So I yeah. believe Just it wasn't yeah. the way that works in the United States is the FDA will randomly test products, but it's a very small percentage of the products that actually get tested. Yeah. So an example is that in 20, uh, let's see here, in 2020, they only tested 289. They had only 289 inspections. So that's less than one inspection per day. And you know how many supplement companies and how many supplements are sold in the United States every year? And we were talking really? about this on the pre-show. Mobster was talking about eBay. You can go on eBay or Amazon, and there's tons of supplements being sold. Do you really think the FDA actually checks all those supplements? The answer is no, they don't. They don't have the manpower to do that. And the supplement industry is extremely large, extremely powerful. 
and they make sure that the FDA is bashed on a daily basis. We hear people all the time on on for, on uh, social media bashing the FDA. Oh, the FDA sucks, blah, 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 blah. The reason they yeah. do that is they want you to think the FDA is a joke and they want less money going to the FDA so that they can turn around and scam you and sell you fake supplements and spike supplements. It's a nice yeah. little conspiracy they got going. And so the supplements that you take Anytime you buy a supplement, you need to make sure the company you're buying from is legit and honest. Because if they're not legit and honest, there's a very good chance you're getting you're getting fake or spike supplements. Let me give you a very quick example here, Steve. And I've, I think I've used a couple of examples. One is a company that I used to rep for back in the day. Real nice guys, solid ass products, but they got fined £250,000. So I'm going to say about £310,000, $320,000 based on today's exchange rate, etc. And the reason for that was that they, they were making claims for one of their products, which wasn't edgy or illegal or illicit or whatever else. But they were making claims that the company, the organization in this country, which is called Trade and Standards, and Trade and Standards associated with local councils, local authorities by area. So there's not one central office per se. There might be, they might come under the auspices of um, MAF, the Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Fisheries. But trading standards essentially, and this is for all products, it's not just for supplements, but it could be for a plastic car that your kid drives. It might be something that you a TV you buy in a shop, whatever. It's for every kind of product. And like the FDA, millions of products just in supplements, never mind everything else, multiply that by the number of everything else there is, whether it's a car or whatever. And you're talking about tens of thousands of products every single day. And Nine times out of ten, the only reason the trading standards gets involved is either there's been a you have this with recalls in America and here in the UK with cars, whether they were tipping over, whether things are exploding, whether the brakes stopped working, or when a customer, you and I, puts a complaint in. So here in the UK is a good example. I made it my my mission as a, a former supplement company owner on a forum over here in the UK, people would actually say, Mobster, can you look at this? And if I was of, I had the time and, and, and the wherewithal, I'd go off and look at it. And a good example was where was a, a certain kind of protein. I can't, re re can't remember. It was called, Steve, colostrum, I believe, where the idea was that this particular protein is produced by cows, dairy cows, literally as a calf is being born. So it's the, the highest grade kind of protein to boost the size of the young calf. And you could buy this. And at one point, I believe it was around 100 pounds a kilo so about 120 130 dollars a kilogram steve and therefore you go right so it's going to cost 100 grams would be 10 pounds and there was one company run by a person whose name i won't say on this podcast but i do know who it was there's a reputation industry is not that great here in the uk where they were supporting a bunch of rugby teams and football teams and various sporting initiatives etc etc so you went on their, their site and there was a bunch of these club banners of club badges, emblems, etc. saying these are the people that we support, these are the people we help. And they saw one product where they were claiming the ratio of colostrum in their product cost more than they were selling the product for. So I made a point saying that's impossible. If it cost £100 a kilo, 100 grams is £10, and they're claiming they've got an, an amount in their product where the cost of the ingredient exceeds the cost of the product per 100 grams. In other words, it's fucking impossible. They're not buying it cheaper than anybody else. 
they're not putting that much in the product. And if the cost of the product to the retail customer is less than the cost of this product, then it's even less if it's going to wholesale distributor or local area distributor and less again to them. So it, it was physically impossible for them to claim that they had this much of this expensive ingredient in their product. But they got away with it for quite a while. I, of course, rattled the tin. I made a lot of noise on the forums, contacted them directly, never got reply. I'm happy to say that the company eventually went tits up, disappeared, went out of business or whatever. I don't think that's specifically down to me. But it was one of those things where my knowledge of the industry meant that I knew it was a physical impossibility. And again, this is just one example. Whether it's down to you not having the right processes in place, not following the licensing laws, ignoring letters from, again, here in the UK would be the Medical Controls Agency or the FDA or Trading Standards. And again, the company that I mentioned earlier, what they essentially did is they ignored trading standards and trading standards fine them £250,000. Now, they're actually members of an organisation here, I believe it's called ESTA, which is a European sports national standard thing where a bunch of the larger supplement companies here in the UK go to the e European Union, as was, and try to make sure that they're not going to have too many problems with their products by testing, by making sure that there's no contamination with pro-hormones and steroids, by having them tested specifically for athletes, and if the European Union or the legisla legislators, whether it's at the federal government in the US or here in the UK, requires certain standards to be met, that they are aware of these standards before anybody else, that they put the processes into place. So they are one of these members. They are part of that organisation, but they've still got fined £250,000 for ignoring an instruction to change the claims that they were making for this particular product, which off the top of my head, I think it was a claiming a fat-burning protein bar. But again, it's just that. And these are good guys with a solid company, with a great reputation, and they still got fined. We've had other companies here in the UK, and Steve and I are aware of this, and some of our listeners as well, where an athlete, let's say it's an Olympic-level athlete, professional athlete, you've had that with football players and soccer players in the US, Steve, tennis players and so on, cyclists, where that person's been caught in a blood test, a drug test, and they said there's no way that I was taking moody uh, drugs so it must have come from the supplements and then lo and behold either there is some hint of a pro-hormonal hint of a steroid in their product from cross-contamination just poor habits in in the making of the product or as in this situation a legitimate product that 100 contains steroids 100 contains a banned ingredient and if you're an olympic level athlete you're potentially losing your career getting cancelled contracts, you might work for Nike, you might work for Adidas, you're suddenly screwed. You, you might have a 40 or $50 million a year contract that it goes out the window because of your own stupidity or because you had a contaminated product. So you've got that going on. And we had a company here in the UK that was cited several times by uh, various athletes, probably because they, they were sponsoring a lot of athletes, but these athletes were claiming that their product must have been spiked. It's the only way I could test positive. In reality, it's probably a little bit of one by them lying and actually taking steroids and performance enhancing drugs to further their career or cross contamination of the product because sometimes the biggest companies are the ones that are the most tested. It's the smaller companies, the newer companies, the edgier companies that are missing out. And as Steve said, it is kind of one of those situations, whether it's the FDA or trading standards, when it's kind of impossible 
for them to test everything and do these things all the time. Sometimes yeah. it feels like over legislation, and sometimes it feels like there's just not enough legislation. Well, I'll tell you, and let me jump in this because this is gonna I'm gonna explain what I believe happened here with Aaron yeah. Singerman's company. So he's facing up to 13 years in prison, he's gonna forfeit millions of dollars. That was the plea deal he made by pleading guilty, which could change because we're gonna get into he was a bad boy since this happened uh recently, yeah. and this could change, but Here's, here's what I believe happened, because what I read is that he ratted people out himself. But, what I, but what I believe, yeah, to get the deal, he, he ratted people out and that gave him a reduced sentence because he was facing many decades in prison. So just to face 13, up to 13 years, and he'll probably maybe get, only get like four or five years total at, at worst if he's, if he's looking at 13. But here's what I believe happened. The FDA didn't catch them spiking supplements and lying about the supplements that they're selling someone within the company ratted them out because they probably didn't pay someone or they probably pissed someone off at the company so then that co that person at the company then they were, became a whistleblower they went to the fda and said hey i'm working for this company i know for a fact they're spiking supplements they're putting steroids in these supplements and they're selling them over the counter and then that's when the FDA put the manpower to kind of look into yeah. it. And they didn't say anything initially. What, what happens in these situations is they'll follow the company for a year, for two years, for three years, for five years. They'll build a case that's foolproof. And then once they have the case foolproof, the prosecutor comes in and says, you know what? I'm ready. Let's go ahead and take them down. That's when Someone's they going to jail. Someone's going when, to jail. Yeah, that's when they raid them, and then they get the people in a room, and they're like, "Like, look, we know you've been doing this. We know you've been that. We have yeah. the proof. Everybody blah, blah, blah. sings. Do you want to take a plea deal? We can yes. do this the easy way, or we can do it the hard way. If you do it the hard way, you're looking at thirty years, forty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do it the easy way. You plead guilty. You forfeit that's some money, and we, you know, give you a slap on the wrist, and you get a few years. The club mates. <laughs> which do you want to do so that and then but but here's the thing you're gonna fucking rat out other people for us in the industry you're gonna rat out people within your company who knew about it and then that will make the deal with you so that's what he did so he ratted yeah so he ratted the people out because you know this type of conspiracy involves a lot of people and yeah, that's yeah. the way it works guys so if it wasn't for that they would still be doing it and a lot of companies out there they, they do it and they get away with it. They get greedy. So in this case, you know, they, they got caught. Uh, they got greedy and they're going to have to pay the uh, and pay for it. You know, so so what I mentioned about Aaron Singerman here is he got into more problems uh, in late November. He was busted for BY boating under the influence. He claims he was lost while driving his his boat. Now, the worst part of this is he had minors on board his boat, which put them at risk. I'm assuming he had his kids on board, maybe the neighbor's kids, maybe his, his kids' friends. I don't know. I, I didn't really get into the story. But the point is he went drunk with a boat, okay, which is extremely dangerous. Boating drunk is just as dangerous, if not more dangerous, than driving drunk. Because on a boat, if you get in a boat accident and you hit someone and their boat sinks, there's a drowning aspect that can happen. Not only will they get injured from the impact, but they can yeah. also drown. So it's very, very dangerous 
what he did here. So he smoked, smashed into other boats, smashed into docks along the intercoastal waterway near his home because um, he, his home is on, on the water. I'm and he also out. blew well over the legal limit. So and let me tell you a little something about alcohol and I'll have mobster chime in on this. So alcohol is responsible for 11,000 boat or vehicle deaths a year in the United States. It's also responsible for countless serious injuries and it's the reason our insurance rates keep rising. So don't think, well, if someone drives drunk, as long as they don't hit me, it's not going to affect me. No, no, no. It still affects you because their reckless acts end up hurt making your insurance rates go up. Even if you're a perfect driver, you never drive drunk, you never speed, you never run lights, nothing, your rates are still going to go up because of their, their mistakes. So we're all in this together. So we've all had family and friends impacted by DUI or BUI in our lives. And here's the thing. I was talking to Mobster about this on the pre-show. And a lot of you may not be aware of this in the United States. And Mobster can talk about the way it is in, in the UK. But in the United States, if you are boating drunk or driving drunk and you get into an accident, even if you're not at fault and someone dies, you're facing manslaughter charges, felony manslaughter charges. But if you hit someone and kill someone regular driving and you're not been drinking and you're not impaired, it's very rare that you would, even if you're speeding, even if you're running a light, it's very rare that anything would happen to you more than financially where your insurance rates would go up and your insurance company could cut you it's off like and stuff like that. Something like that. Yeah. But dry, if you are drunk, okay, even if it's a minor accident, and even if it was the other person's fault, you are going to be in trouble. You face going to jail. You face a lot of fines. You face the insurance, your insurance rates going up. And I had a buddy of mine who went through this. He actually was driving with some friends and he had two beers. He was only at 0.03. And the limit in my state is 0.08. He was 0.03. He got pulled over. The police officer made the decision that, you know, he did the whole, we got out of the car and the police officer tested him, but the police officer made Some the decision yeah. that you are impaired based on those two beers that he had. And he blew a 0.03 and the still, cops still arrested him and took him to jail. So even if you only have one or two beers, light beers, you're still driving while impaired. It doesn't matter. You don't have to blow 0.08. Now, of course, he took it to court. He hired a good lawyer. He got the case thrown out. But in the process, he ended up spending $12,000 in lawyer fees and other fees. <laughs> His car got towed. And in the process of being towed, the tow truck driver scratched the crap out of his BMW. So he had to pay for that BMW to be fixed because the tow truck driver sure as hell isn't going to pay for it because the tow truck driver is going to be like, oh, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. That scratch was there when I towed your car. So he ended up having to pay the lawyers and the court costs and all this stuff. And he ended up having his car messed up in the process, all because he had to drive after drinking two beers. He wasn't drunk. He was just, you know, the cop made the decision to arrest them. You know, because the cop can. So you don't have to be uh, any legal limit or anything to still go to jail. So do not drive drunk, guys. Do not boat drunk. Do not drink and drive anything. 
and um, you know, be smart, guys. So you don't have to be stone cold drunk to to be in big trouble. And like I said, if my friend who had the two beers had gotten into a car accident that night and killed somebody, and they and he blew 0.03, he would have been in big trouble. He would have been in big, big trouble. And um, you know, so you guys have to be smart and just be aware. A lot of people aren't aware of that they think, oh, I can have one or two beers and still drive and, I, and I'm fine. No, you're not. Because if no. you get into a car accident and you're impaired, oh, my gosh, that is you're in big, big trouble. So this is what happened with Aaron Singerman. So based on that monster, his plea deal may be in jeopardy because now they got him by the balls. He made that plea deal and you're expected while you're out on bond. To be a good, yeah. To be a good, don't do stupid shit. And he went and did stupid shit, and he put other people at risk, and he's in deep shit now. They could basically turn around and say, you know what, your plea deal is off the table. We're just gonna fucking go after you, and you, you know, I'm saying, good luck with that. So he could be facing a long time in prison. So we'll have to see because the sentencing is not for another month. So by the time you guys listen to this podcast, it should be out. So. Um, you guys can look up what ended up happening and we'll follow up on it as well. So mobster, yeah, Let jump in. yeah. yeah. There's, there's two things here, guys. One is, um, which I mentioned earlier on this edgy slash, whatever you want to call it behavior. So you're going to, you're, you're going to get a sentence. It's going to be a big sentence, even if you cooperated with the federal authorities, when you were arrested, when you were charged and you go out and you do stupid fucking shit, you, that suggests to me, which we touched on earlier on with the risky behavior, with the addictive behavior, why it, it might even come down. And I says, this is being nice. I'm going to go to jail, regardless of whatever's happened, it's going to be doing some time. I might as well have a few beers. But then there's the risky element again, as Steve just said, what we're talking about is people like to think that they can handle their drink. Therefore, they're going to have two beers and they get in their car. Now, even if you're not drunk, even if you're under the limit, the argument goes that your responses to other stuff, other people, the road conditions, your phone ringing, the kids jumping around in the back of the car, whatever, are not as good as they would be if you were stone cold sober with one cup of coffee inside, that you're alert, that you you know what's going on, that you're paying attention to stuff. And even with just with those two beers, you're going to fucking do stupid shit. So that's, that's the first thing. We'll be talking about his risky behavior why would you do something so fucking stupid when arguably you can end up losing all that good behavior shit all the cooperation stuff that you've done you know you could be arguably let's say for argument's sake that they were talking about 20 years and he cooperates and gets his sentence potential sentence reduced to 10 years and then he goes out drunk and crashes not into one boat but multiple craft with his kids on board how is that not risky behavior how is that not doing stupid fucking shit how is that good it's like kind of like well i'm going to jail be damn fuck it let's put the kids in the boat get drunk and do stupid crap uh, un unbelievable the other thing which i want to touch on very briefly is and uh, as there's there's a website called i fucking love science i f l s i fucking love science and what it essentially one of the things that they posted up was a study and it's, the answer is kind of obvious when you think about it. And it goes, what's the worst drug in the world? Now, we touched on heroin. It's a nasty, disgusting drug. But 
the percentage of population that use heroin is tiny. The percentage of population that sniff coke is relatively tiny. You've also got certain drugs that people will do at some point, whether it's going to a rave and take an ecstasy, whether it's sniffing coke once at a glamorous show party or something like this. And not everybody's got that addictive personality or whatever else. But in terms of the overall impact on society, alcohol is the worst. It has to be. More people have had fights on alcohol than they yeah, ever agree. did when they I were agree high. For sure, yeah. More people have crashed cars on alcohol than they have when they've been high. More people have battered their wives or significant other partners. If you're taking ecstasy, you want to cuddle everybody. If you're taking heroin, you're just laying there fucked up. The, the issue with heroin is that it, the things you do to get the drug, not what you do when you take the drug. Even smoking with the stupidity of smoking and cancer, how you can stink and the costs and the taxes you're paying, all the, all the kind of stuff that comes with smoking. You don't do stupid shit because you smoked a cigarette or had a cigar. Even with, we'll talk about on these podcasts with, with, with the illegal drugs, the illicit steroids, and some performance enhancing drugs as well as steroids. And you go, right, if you looked at the behavior of the user, and the likely of them committing criminal acts, with the possible exception of trend because it's a bad boy steroid. And of course, one or two people that are maybe more affected by testosterone and risky behavior. These people typically have addictive type personalities anyway, or already edgy before. And so taking steroids only enhances that. But again, for the majority of users, I would say 95% of users don't commit crime to take steroids. They don't commit crime to get the money together for steroids. And in fact, a profile some years ago would argue that their higher education, typically college or university, they have a higher than normal income because they have the disposable income to buy a thousand dollar steroid cycle, that they very rarely do other drugs, that for the most part, with the possible exception of the steroids, they're not doing anything else that's illegal and they're not going out and mugging people. But then we've all been as young men, myself and Steve, or young women for some of the listeners, drunk and done stupid fucking shit. Now, what we haven't done, or what we'd hope we haven't done, is that we haven't done stupid fucking shit while we're drunk, when we're going to go to chow, and we've potentially just lost all those brownie points, all those gold stars that we've got by doing a deal, by putting other people into the frame, by cooperating with the authorities we've done all of that and then we decided that we'll go out and get drunk and take the kids on a boat or in a car and do more stupid shit before the sentencing if that doesn't say risky behavior steve nothing does Let, let's 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 talk about his steroid use because listeners all want to know why he looks the way that he looks but guys i'm sure we've seen other podcasts we've seen other discussions we could go on all about day, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the crazy stuff. I don't know, Steve. It's just like, it kind of feels fucked up to me. Trying to work, when you're, regardless of what we do as individuals, you kind of try to work out in your mind how a person thinks when you're doing this podcast, when we're trying to give advice to our listeners, how the listeners think, how we think, how the subject person Well, it, what's sick about this is people are actually defending what he did. That's what I don't understand. They're actually defending yeah. what, he, what he did. And guys, I mean, listen, come on, come on, guys. Like, listen, you can make a good living for yourself. 
being honest. Like, why put your energy toward? This is what I don't understand about people who, you know, out there who do all these bad things. Like, if you put as much, like, like let's say, um, you know, someone who plans a big robbery or something. I was watching a show about they planned this big robbery. It took them two years to plan it and all this stuff. I was like, if you spent all that energy planning and stuff, you could you could start your own. Yeah, start a business. Yeah. With two years of planning, do some, you know what I'm saying? Do something, come up with an invention, get a patent, you know, something like that. Like, so I don't understand why people, you know, he didn't have to go and cheat, cheat like hell and, 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 and do all this. Kind of like they're attracted to it. They, yeah. they like the idea of being a bad boy. Yeah, like it's part of it. Yeah. I think too, but it's just like the idea of edgy. Because, I mean, if you had a legitimate supplement company and you're not going to be able to, to have a $6 million house on the water, you know, so you might only be able to have a $500,000 house, you know, <laughs> live a modest lifestyle, you know, and, yeah. and yeah. then just live a middle class like lifestyle. like a one so, sports car. <laughs> yeah, so it boils down to greed. And, and, and you will eventually get caught one way, one way or the other. All it takes is one customer wising up and testing the stuff. Be like, you know what, this stuff... This stuff Direction doesn't. The company. Something's and wrong here. I'm gonna get this pro this product tested, and then they go and test the product, and that could have been what happened here. A, pro a, a customer could have tested the product themselves and be like, you know what, that's just not what I'm taking. Something's wrong here. Why is my heart racing? Yeah. I'm tribulous. Doesn't make any sense. Well, so yeah, then they, and then that's when they contact the FDA and they they rat mm -hmm. him out. So in his case, Aaron, you know, I. I he wants you to think, yeah, he got his physique from taking his supplements. But in reality, all these supplement owners, um, most of them, they, they, they lie. They're like, oh, I'm just on TRT and I take my supplements and I, and I look the way they do. But in reality, they're, of course, they're on anabolic steroids. They're yeah. on anabolic steroids. So it's, it's yeah. not bullshit. You guys that listen to this podcast, you guys are the most intelligent people out there. So you guys know the way this shit works. So in his case, we know he was on Alamon Stairs. I do give him credit. He has a pretty good physique um, for a guy, you know, who doesn't have the best genetics in the world. And he does does put in the time in the weight room. So we're not, you know, we're not going to spend the whole podcast bashing him, but we are going to give you guys the facts and we're going to give you guys our opinions. So let's speculate a little bit on a, a stack that, Aaron Singerman would do. So, Mobster, why don't you start us off? What's your opinion on cruising doses? Someone like Aaron, who's who's a gym rat, who's a busy businessman. What would be a cruise? What would be what would what do you think he'd be cruising on over the course of the year? One, one of the things I'll say, literally just before I talk about what he cruises on, is he one of the positive things, and he's done a video on this uh, via Redcon One. Is he set up a fantastic in-house gym? They got some enormous warehouses. They've done tours. They showed you the offices. They showed you the photo studio. And one of the things he did, I think, I believe it's something like like twenty-five thousand square foot gym, in-house in one of the premises that they've got. And it's like the Muscle Media gym with Bill Phillips back in the day, EAS. It is a hardcore bodybuilders gym. You got Kai Green, you got James Holland said, you got other athletes that they sponsor using their gym. And I believe Aaron still takes a certain amount of time out of his day. I think there's videos of him training with some of the athletes at times. He's gone down. He tries to take 45 minutes, an hour out of his day, and go downstairs and use the cardio equipment, use the gym. To, to, to say, for me and Steve Smee, if we had a supplement business between us or something like that, and we had a 25,000 square foot hardcore gym downstairs, 
it would be living a dream state. And, and we're talking about, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. So it's amazing. And of course, as you say, quite properly, the issue here is be truthful, especially if you're cruising. Say that you're on CRT, go and get a prescription. You can certainly afford to go and get a legitimate prescription from a clinic or a TRT doctor from an endocrinologist. He's a hardworking guy. He's probably going to suppress his uh, testosterone just from the hours he's putting in, the grind of the, factory, the factories, the processing plants, the warehouses and everything else. So, yeah, that, but be truthful. Don't just say, it's, I took a protein pad and this is the reason why I'm 240 pounds, six foot tall, covered in veins. It's because you're on CRT. It's because you're taking steroids. And some customers will appreciate your honesty. They, you can show them the grind. You can show them the gym. We could also show them what you're doing with a TRT. And in fact, you probably sell as much product for people that trust you because you've been honest as they would if you hired it. Right, cruising. And this is kind of normal for anybody that we think might be cruising. It's nothing excessive. We're talking here, it's the higher end, Steve, with 250 milligrams of some kind of test. Now, the most popular one would probably be cipionate because it's long acting, because it takes a long time to build up a new system, because you're typically only jabbing once a week. Uh, 250 milligrams would be off the top of my head, Steve. I think it's about a little tiny bit over a mil, depends on the milligrams dose. One, one mil, maybe a little bit more. The 250 milligrams is a higher end. Uh, and again, this is when we talk about people getting tested to find out what you need. And I'm always keen on taking the least amount that you have to do to get what you need out of that product. I think you would need, as a supplement company, especially Redcon One, and of course with Blackstone, both the owners needing to look muscular, needing to look a certain way because you're representing your own product, you're representing your brand. So this is probably why we're talking about the higher end when we say 250 milligrams. HGH, thin skin, recovery. One of the issues, and I mentioned this already, if you're running a successful business, as big as Red Cold One is, you might not always be getting asleep. If you're doing the shows, the expos, if you're traveling around the country, if you are putting these films, these videos together, all the things that are involved in the business, even if it's something you enjoy, is a long motherfucking day. And so a product like HGH with helping with tissue repair, keeping the skin thin, if you're on a meal prep type diet, we'll have a, a food prep company delivering your food, which I would think he would be, and being able to get good, honest rest when you do manage to get to sleep at the night time. And again, I think possibly as a result of his personality type that we've previously discussed, the idea that he could get by six, six, maybe seven hours of sleep of the night time instead of say eight, nine or 10, that he might actually need by using a product like HGH, which enhances the sleep as well as of the, the other things that I've already mentioned, free IUs per day, year round. He can afford it. This isn't something where you can only run it for three months or six months or whatever. He's in a position, Steve, where he can run it for life, certainly at that dosage. He can afford to get the legitimate real thing, farm of quality, on script, and have it all the time, forever, until the money runs out. And that's not going to happen. And then the last one that we mentioned here as a cruise, and it's more to do uh, with whether it's scripted or not scripted and whether he needs it or not. And we're, we're talking here, we're suggesting, again, it's just for the cruise, Proviron at 25 milligrams a day, again, year round. Uh, so he, he, with all of these drugs are year round because he can afford to run them year round and because it helps him. Now, as I said, he's not the only company uh, that's in this particular position. Whether you've got, say, for example, Richard Swarry of Gaspari Nutrition or Lee Labrada of Labrada Nutrition or whatever else. If those guys 
looked out of shape. If those guys turned up, you know, you've been on show, you've been on stage at the Olympia in the case of those two gentlemen, and you've been ripped to the bone and vascular and strong as fuck, no one expects you to carry on looking like that for the rest of your life. But equally, we'd be very disappointed and we probably wouldn't buy your products if you turn up out of shape. So there's a thing here, an inference, which I'm making, it says being in shape and representing that company and looking healthy when you're doing videos, when you do podcasts, when you're showing people around the premises, when you're going to expos, it's something you have to do. You've got to make time to train. Even if you love it, you've got to make time. If you're busy, 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 you've got to make time to look good and appeal to the, the customers, to the buyers, to even, even to the distributors. When you go to meet them, they don't want this big fat out of sweaty lump turning up and going, why the hell should I buy this product from this guy? Look at the state of him. He looks like he does nothing but spend all day eat, drinking milkshakes and ice cream. So yeah, that being in shape, TRT, HGH, Provara. Uh, and that's possibly for the health reasons because if you're working hard, even if it's a job you enjoy, if you're running this company with the stress that comes from running a multi-million dollar company, from living that lifestyle, from having, as we know now, of course, the potential to get arrested and go to jail, it's going to be a stressful lifestyle. So these free products run year round without getting into the blast cycle, which I'll leave to Steve, are going to help you maintain some of those things that you need to kind of have as a muscular-looking supplement company owner. And, of course, just for himself personally. These, these, none, none of these numbers are crazy. They would work for a lot of our listeners, especially the older guys and those that are coming 40-plus or whatever else. So it's not excessive. But what about the blast cycle, Steve? Let's talk about what we think he does. If, for example, he's doing a video with one of the top pro bodybuilders, and he's going to be training in that video, he's going to want to take things up or not. So what would you think a blast cycle would be like? Yeah, so when you see the pictures of him, obviously he wants to always look good. You know, he wants people yeah. to think, like you said, mobster, can you imagine if you're a supplement owner and you're like, you got a gut or you're a supplement owner, you're really, really like skinny and it looks like you have like 11 inch arms. You know, you really see think them. anybody, yeah, is anybody going to, going to buy from you now if it's a big corporate uh, supplement company they don't see the ceos they don't see the, no. the C, you know all these people you don't know like gnc can you name who the gnc ceo is no it's probably some dude in in some suit you know who sits in an office all day and uh spends his spare time you know going to steak yes. dinners you know so and plays Swash golf maybe. You know what I'm saying? So no one knows who he is. But I mean, if you're someone like this and you want to market and you want to always be on social media, you have to look a certain way. So, yeah, he's he's going to be blasting some 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 uh, some stuff here. I think trend trenbolone acetate would be a great one. Six hundred milligrams per week for 12 weeks. Uh, trend. It's a king of all steroids. It's the it's the golden nectar, you know, and it's going to make you look it's going to make you look big and it's going to make you look bad. The next one, Masterone Propanate, 1,000 milligrams per week for 12 weeks. It's going to harden you up. It's going to, going to make your muscles look thicker. So even if you're in a shirt, you know, you're in a loose shirt, you're still going to look big running Trent and Masteron together. And then Prima Bolin, 600 milligrams per week. He can afford it. Yeah. You know, Prima Bolin is an expensive mm -hmm. steroid, but... It's one of those that he can add to the cycle. It's going to give him some good, clean gains. He doesn't want to get overweight. He wants to look good. He wants to look cut, but he also wants to look big. So I think these three injectables are a good option. And then you throw in an oral, something like Anavar, 100 milligrams per day for eight weeks. That's, 
that's a good one too. Um, and it fits kind of the physique that he has. So he seems to be pretty lean uh, from the pictures. You know, he's probably, I don't know, at his worst, probably 10, 11% at his worst. So that's pretty good for, for American yeah. standards. And at his best, he could probably get down to 7 or 8% body fat. And then human growth hormone, he's cruising with it, but I think on a blast, he'll probably up it up to six IUs per day. And he'll do it for maybe 20 weeks. And he'll go back to his cruise dose of three IUs a day. And then you adjust it from there. Um, if you start getting side effects from the human growth hormone, a lot of people complain about, you know, tenderness or carpal tunnel or something like that. But you can always lower the dose back down. Um, even high quality HGH, you can even get side effects just for running 1.5 or 2 IUs per day in a guy. I've seen guys even with one IUs per day get side yeah. effects. And that's yeah, yeah. that's a good sign. That probably means your HGH is dose really good, is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I think in this case, I think those are probably the five compounds that that uh, Aaron would, would be using, you know, to, to kind of blast good. So he would blast those. Um, and then he would go back to his cruise dose that mobster talked about. He'd go back to the TRT um, the, of the testosterone per week. He'd, he'd go back to the HGH, a lower dose of HGH, and then the Proviron, 25 milligrams a day. So then he'll, that's probably what he does. And he stays on year round. And his cruise dose is much higher than what you would use for a normal person who was on testosterone replacement therapy, but he doesn't care about his long-term health very much. Um, he just wants to look good year round. It's a, it's a business decision to look good year round and sacrifice the few years off your life. That's a fair trade. You know, when you're trying to be, be a marketer like this. So it really, really helps them for sure. So guys, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, um, I hope that Aaron can get his life turned around. I think I, I never like to give up on a person. I always think I've seen guys over the years, you know, uh, who I've known who have been through a lot of rough patches and they, they get their life turned around. And they turn into wonderful people. So, I mean, at this stage, what he did wasn't right. Um, you know, my opinion is he's not a good person as of, as of right now. In nope. in most cases, you go to prison and prison doesn't reform you. Prison makes you worse. So when he gets out of prison at some point, does he go back to cheating and hustling and lying? Or does he get his life turned around and, and, and do a legitimate business? So we'll have to see what happens. So I'm hopeful that deep down, he's not a bad boy as much as he's trying to make himself out to be. And maybe he does have a heart somewhere in there and he can get his life turned around and be a positive influence on a lot of the young male demographic that he targets and that these supplement companies target. Cause at the end of the day, guys, I say this all the time on, on, on the forum. And this is something that I've not always believed, but as I've gotten older, I've realized it, and Mobster's known this for years too. Mobster's a smart guy. Is that supplement companies are run by businessmen? They're not run by your friends. You know, they're not your buddies. They're not the most knowledgeable people out there when it comes to anything regarding fitness. Their prime objective is to make money. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. to be your friend. 
they want to project that on social media. So you must use legitimate companies. If you come on our forums on evolutionary.org, we have legitimate supplement companies that have their shit tested. And they make sure their shit is tested and they make sure that it's vetted. We make sure it's vetted and we make sure it's legitimate. And the supplement owners on our forum, you know, we mentioned Rick, um, Ricky V rock, who's a supplement owner. He is an athlete himself. As I'm doing this podcast, he is in South America, mountain biking for miles Mm -hmm. and miles and miles. He lives the lifestyle. He doesn't drink. He doesn't do drugs. He doesn't smoke, doesn't do any of that shit. And he sells legitimate supplements. So check him out, n2bm.com. Check out our forum. We have the best sponsors on our forum, guys, and they they will take care of you. So Mobster, finish out the show with your final opinions and thoughts and then take us into the uh, disclaimer. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what industry or indeed what part of society you guys come from, what industry you're involved in, what industries you you connect with, right? So whether it's making, manufacturing, selling, driving cars, whether you drive a truck, whether you, you, you're soaring trees down in the forest, whatever else, every industry is, got, is good and it's bad. Every industry. It's not just the supplement industry. The same as society, in the same way that there's nice criminals and, and bad cops, okay? Some of the best policemen, the best, what they call in here in the UK, an old term is thief takers are police officers that think like criminals. We, we've had our issues here in the UK back in the day with people taking bribes. You've had that in the States. It's all over the world, right? So there are good and bad in every single industry that there is. There are companies that are producing solid-ass products, like Steve just said with Ricky V, uh, and need to build muscle. And then there's companies that do stupid stuff at the beginning, and then kind of become legitimized later on, and so on and so forth. That that's that's so keep that in mind, guys. It takes all types, and that's ultimately at the end of the day, including Ricky, they're there to sell your products, to pay their bills, to, to get their house, to have the mortgage sorted out, to send their kids to college, whatever. They're not they're not there to be your special friendly buddy. If he's actually your buddy, that's fine. But if he's got 10,000 customers and he's coming across like he's everybody's buddy, that's a marketing thing. So that's that's a bit of bullshit. Right, something else, which I think is a positive thing here, Steve. And in fact, we touched on it right at the beginning of the podcast. We kind of talked about how he started out. And we've mentioned this in a few of the bad boy and good guy type podcasts that we've done. And that is training. It's the one thing that when we're all bickering and arguing and having a back and forth for disagreeing, and I don't think this person's done it this way, and this person should have answered this way, and this person's got money, and this person hasn't got money on the forums or out in real life or wherever else, we sometimes forget that the thing that binds us, the thing that makes us have these kind of conversations at all, and the only reason that we're talking to this person or discussing this person is because they fucking worked out, because they trained, because guys are go even Aaron and, and PJ, if they go to jail, one of the things that they're going to probably want to hope for is that they get to see a gym in jail and it's going to keep them sane. There's an awful lot of guys out there uh, that whether it's boxing, hitting a heavy bag or pounding the weights that would be in a lot more trouble and doing a lot more stupid shit if they didn't train, if they didn't work out some of their demons. Let me ask you this, Mobster, yeah. do you think they're going to go to a maximum security prison and no. with drug no. dealers and stuff? No, no, no. Even though they're selling anabolic steroids? No, they're going to Club Med. Same as uh, 
Dave Palumbo from RX Muscle with the business that he did with uh, John Romano, it's going to be club med. It's not going to be hardcore. They're not going to have to fight with a shift to get on the weights and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be club med because regardless of what the, the argument with regards to the legality, really legality of what they've done, ultimately they haven't actually killed anybody, thank goodness, uh, as far as we know. They haven't actually... It's like one of those kind of the business type stuff, white, what they call sometimes in, here in the UK and in the US, white collar crime. You can run a billion dollar company and you could have cost the public, your investors, customers, hundreds of millions of dollars and you're going to Club Med. You can run someone over because you went on a, a road rage and you just kind of lost it and you deliberately run someone over and you only affect one life and you're going to do 20, 25 years. So, no, they're going to go club men. The other thing was, and something that Steve and I talked about last week when we were talking about doing today's show, and something that Steve's kind of hinted at a little bit, I believe it might also be one of those things, Steve, and you can jump in there before I do the disclaimer, which is sometimes if you make enough money doing stupid shit like we're saying these guys have done, specifically Aaron of the podcast, Let's say for argument's sake, he made 20 million or 30 million dollars with the company. Is going to jail going to be okay if he can come out to the money? If he comes out to his wife's property and money in his wife's name, if someone else takes over the run of the company while he's in jail, does the federal government get to fine him tens of millions of dollars? Or does he go to Club Fed and uh, plays tennis with PJ and let Bygones be bygones. If he comes out and he has somewhere in the Cayman Islands $10 million that the government could touch, is that going to be worth the price, Steve? Something that you and I have touched on before? It's worth it to me. I'll, I do five years in prison for millions of dollars in, a, in, a, in, in boats and so houses and stuff. Out, yeah. I think anybody would. But at the end of the day, I couldn't live with myself, you know, knowing that I you know, hurt people in the process. Like you said at the beginning of the show, someone out there you know, took something that they didn't, yeah, yeah. they had a yeah. heart condition and their heart Emergency condition, response. you took yeah. years off that person's life. They, they have got a heart attack now because you put something in that supplement that they didn't it know takes about. One, I'll, yeah. I'll finish now. It takes one overweight, and I'm not going to talk about Aaron, but it takes one overweight customer. And I, I, I'm going to, I'm judgmental as a young man versus what I'm like now as an older man. You go, right. So you, back in the day, I'd have been very unkind, look at that fat bastard, didn't train in, he's all kind of sweaty and ugly, what the hell? But now, of course, I go, hang on, there's someone trying to improve their life. They've come to the gym, they're trying to get in shape. Don't be judgmental, go and help them. Help them improve, help them lose weight. They come on the, we get guys on the forums that say that I'm 30 or 40% body weight. We go, hey, 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 don't, don't take body fat. Don't take this drug until you've dropped your body fat down to a certain percentage because you're going to have estrogen issues. We're trying to help these guys. Now, if you take one customer, and I mean literally one customer, and he got he buys, whether it's Aaron or someone else, he buys a product that's spiked with a stimulant that he's trying to get into shape with. He's trying to improve his life. He's trying to live a longer life for his wife, a longer life for his kids. He's trying to better, he's trying to save the healthcare system in the US or the UK, tens of thousands of pounds, tens of thousands of dollars by getting into shape, no longer requiring prescription medication, asthma uh, products or whatever, just to get around because he's so overweight. He wants to get into shape uh, or she 
and they take an ingredient, a spike of a stimulant that causes their heart to race while they're on the running machine, while they're pedaling on the back, while they're on the road machine, while they're outside doing their steps and trying to get in the shape, and they have a fucking heart attack as a result of a spike product while they were trying to improve their life, and you knew that that might happen because you knew that you, you actually aimed the product. You said, this is a fat burning, a fat whatever product's going to make you, you're going to feel great in the gym. We, we, it's going to improve your life, blah, 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 and your marketing spiel. And you knew that there was a, a, a moody ingredient in there, something that could be dangerous to someone like this person with maybe blood pressure issues, obese, et cetera, et cetera, heart issues, lung issues, and you let them take the product, then, then you got to say to yourself, how stupid, how bad is that? How inherently, arguably, evil is that? There's good stuff about Aaron and there's bad stuff about Aaron. And I'm not just saying this for Aaron's purposes, but for all of the companies that have done this in the past and any company that does that in the future. That's what you've got to look at. You've got to say, I might make it a buck or 10 bucks or a million bucks but I know that there's an ingredient that I've added that shouldn't be in my product, but I know is in my product that could kill someone because they didn't know that this was the ingredient was in there. And I didn't put a warning notice on the box or the carton or the bottle. I didn't hint that, you know, if you're obese, if you're unhealthy, you shouldn't take it. You should only take our products at the doctor's direction. If it's a legitimate over-the-counter product, you shouldn't need to do that. But you knew it was moody. You knew it was dodgy. You knew there was a bad ingredient in there. And you didn't give a fuck. So you've got to you gotta look at it from that perspective right there. Right, guys, it's a hard-hitting podcast. There's plenty of this kind of stuff that's been going on in the past, potentially going on in the future. So it's not just Aaron. There's uh, there's there's other things that have happened. Uh, we're just trying to give you a sense of perspective over the industry as a whole sometimes, and certainly where these kind of things have occurred before. Uh, ultimately, this both him and PJ are going to go to jail. Christian becomes how long? Uh, they may be made an example of and the stupid stuff that he's done between being found guilty and the sentencing uh, just it's kind of like he knows he's going to jail and he doesn't care I don't know. You, you, only Aaron will know why he did what he did only Aaron will know why he got drunk and drove that boat, crashed around and said he was lost but he was crashing into boats only Aaron will know that he was risking more of his freedom doing stupid stuff we're just guessing. We're just surmising. We're just kind of trying to work out what the hell's going on. Guys, subscribe. Make comments. Put your impact into this stuff. We want to hear what you think, not just about Aaron, but other people like this in the industry. Does it disappoint you? Does it surprise you? Would you buy that product if you knew it was moody? We want to know what you're thinking about it. We've got other stuff coming up soon. But today, let's get into the disclaimer. Please note, we're not doctors, and the opinions that we give on this podcast are ours and ours alone. It is our view and based on our experience and views on the topic. A podcast for informational purposes and entertainment only, the freedom of speech and the First Amendment. Of the